0: you know, what school do you go to, you know, people have their personal preferences, but it's a lot easier if you can say, hey, look, this one meets the American National Standards Institute definition of a standard for providing executive protection. Welcome to the Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry leading magazine for all security
1: professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. EP standardization in the United States and the work of the Board of Executive Protection Professionals. It's a big topic, an emotive topic, standardization wherever you sit. Today, we're going to be speaking with uh, James Cameron, chairman of the board and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really good to get into it because I know a lot of work has already been done. So, so, so it's a great time to interview uh, James. I'm here with Sean West. Um, why do you think standardization, you know, what a fun word, um, remains an emotive topic for the industry?
2: It, it's a huge topic, not just in the United States, but here in the UK also. I mean, I've lived through the period of when I first came into the industry, And they implemented the SIA license within the UK and all of the problems that came with that. When I first got into the industry, it mattered which training school you went to do your course. And employers would look at what course you had done, who you trained with. And then whilst bringing licensing in is is a very good thing, you know, it brought out the criminality aspect um, that was rife within the industry. So it worked on that part. However, once it set the standard for licensing, then all training providers, it didn't matter which course you went to, you come out with the same piece of paper, the same license. So whilst I, I spent a lot of money to go to the training school I went to because I wanted to learn from them. They had a fantastic reputation. As time went on, whilst licensing came in, it was good. The reputation of the school didn't seem to matter because employers, all they need is a license and they want bums on seats. And the question they ask you now it's not who did you train with it's are you licensed um so whilst it's good it it does it does throw some curveballs in which you know whilst it betters the industry in one way it can harm it in another
1: now that is an excellent point because we we see standardization as a as a great goal that we all want to get behind you know a minimum standard and and so on but then you know does it matter um, in in the world of uh, work in corporations, they seem to favour some universities over others. Yet it's one degree. Mm. But I wonder if that same approach would 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 work if you know you just want licensed opera- operatives because it's not the high end creme de la creme work that has ever had a problem with this. If you're not up to scratch, you won't get that type of work. It's the not so high end work that we have this challenge with, and then are we going to solve it by creating a, a minimum standard that came from perhaps a school that's not as I don't know well known as another one? It is a big topic, and America, the United States in particular, and and you might say why have we got two Brits talking about this? Well, I think we're perfectly placed because we're outside, and we can look in and say, hmm, well. Different licensing arrangements in the states mean you know X, Y, and Z uh, ramifications. So, if the board of executive security uh, professionals is able to pull together a degree of reciprocity between states, or perhaps something that you know compels people to need the standard, I think that's one thing. And and then on the other side of the coin, I guess, Sean, how important is it? to have the customer behind this decision-making process? Because how do we know? The customer might say, yeah, absolutely, I want a new standard. How do we know that we go off and do it? And then they, they're going to actually uh, you know, require it. I think
2: when, when SIA licensing came in in the UK, I think the customer, I may be incorrect here, but when I started out in the industry and I applied for jobs, employers used to ask for people who had been to this training school or that training school. That question is never asked now. Mm. They just ask, are you licensed? And I think it's kind of now up to the individual. They get their license and then it's the further career development that they carry out themselves, the experience they get themselves, that will get them into the higher positions. But the customer needs to ask these questions to find out, you know, what qualifications do these guys have? Are they experienced? Because they don't know what training school they've gone to now because generally they don't ask. They just ask, have you got that licence? So, yeah, it's, it, no, it's, it's definitely an emotive topic. And I can see in the States, you know, it, it's not one licence for the whole country like it is in the UK. So it can be even more emotive because you know, different pro- training providers want to have their say on things and it may be different to another training provider. So there needs to be a consensus, a neutral party in the middle that, you know, can take advice from the trainer providers, but they don't have a commercial interest in the licensing itself.
1: That's right. And, 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 I think, um, and you know, maybe I, I'm, I'm misunderstanding the mission of the board, but I think that's their goal. Um, they have working groups and, and in fact, uh, a few, a few shout outs to people that, you know, you know, we've had on our podcast before on their board, they've got Joe oterra So, um, Great, uh, great to see that. A great friend of the industry. Um, I know uh, their vice chairman, uh, Gerard Bonillo. Uh, great work, um, and 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 I think Chuck Andrews is also um, involved amongst a host of other people. So, so 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 certainly some 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 very credible um, people working on this subject matter experts. Um, I think sort of nineteen subject matter experts. That's that's what they've brought together for the you know their top level board. Well, I tell you what. You know, let's talk to James and let's find out, because there's been a lot of talk on social media. Oh, they're doing X, Y, and Z. Let's hear it from James and let's find out what their mission is and how we can learn from their efforts to create a new standard in EP.
0: And now, let's meet one of the contributors to the Circuit magazine.
1: standardization and a new dawn for the ep industry particularly in north america but also beyond and um, today we're here with james cameron chairman of the board of executive protection professionals it's a it's a great pleasure to have you on how are you doing
0: i appreciate it i appreciate the time today sir
1: well this is a big topic, and we've seen a lot of your efforts online, and of course at the IPSB and beyond, to you know really catalyze this uh, modernization and standardization for the industry. But let's do our quick fire questions. Um, what is the problem that you're trying to solve in the industry right now?
0: Well, right now, there are no standards. There's no. There's no place for one individual, whether no matter where you're at in your career field. To go and reference you can reference individuals books or maybe best practices but there's actually no standard of how do we deliver proper executive protection
1: okay and i mean why is this a passion of yours where where does your passion for this uh, topic come from
0: Uh, my passion comes from just a, a quality assurance you know standpoint on this how are we delivering the the best service possible to our client and also to our employees or those that we staff or as an individual how are you performing how are you performing to the highest level if there's no standard to kind of model after what well, we don't know we don't know if we're actually meeting or exceeding or or if we're below standard and that you know that's dangerous in this in this industry
1: Indeed, dangerous. Uh, if uh, the quality is not met, uh, then 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 you don't uh, you know you don't want to go down that uh, path. But w- w- what about the uninitiated out there, the, the people that have no real appreciation for standards or, or, or anything like this? What what would your message to them be? Well, I mean,
0: it's it's, it's like uh, when any profession, seasoned professional or people that have been in the industry for a minute. Uh, we get new guys all the time and say, hey, what's the best training school that I should go to? I want to learn EP. I want to get involved. I, I don't know what I don't know. So where do I go? Was well, very hard to, you can point them into different directions, but at the, at the end of the day, do those schools really meet any kind of standard? It'd be great to take the uninitiated and say, hey, go to this school because they actually go off of a validated you know, standard process of how to perform executive protection. And l- let me just reference one thing. I have gotten a lot of concerns, I would say. A standard isn't a end-all, be-all, right? The standard is the base level of service, but it's it's a standardization of how do we do things. Now, can you go above and beyond? Absolutely. You, can you meet or exceed standard? Yes. So I think there's a lot of confusion out there that when you say there's a standard, you are at the exceeds level when that's not the goal. The goal is to say, look, on an advance, we want to be friendly and courteous to those hotel members that we're meeting, this, that, and the other. Um, going above and beyond, maybe that you bring a gift for the, the security director, right? To be able to get more things for your client. So that's going above and beyond. That's not going to be in the standard of writing, you know, hey, bring a gift to the security director, but being courteous is in the standard. Does that, does that make sense? So I think there's, I want to clear that up because I think people do confuse it. It's not the exceeds level. It's we're starting with the baseline. Here's a standard. Here's a basic standard of how do we operate? And then let's move forward. So when we get back to the uninitiated, you know, what school do you go to? You know, people have their personal preferences, but it's a lot easier if you can say, Hey, look, this one meets the American national standards Institute definition of a standard for providing executive protection.
1: I like that. And, and, and well, you mentioned you mentioned the schools and obviously there's there's rivalry out there in the world. And sure, there's competition. Um, we, you know, it's 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 it is a hot topic in itself. Um, but before we get into some of the. Questions that at least a, a, a lot of people have been asking uh, because you know your your initiative has been making a lot of waves. Um, I'd like to just explore how did it all come about. Um, can can you tell us a little bit uh, uh, about the board and who's who's involved and and how it all came together? Sure. So um,
0: I've been completely transparent about this for for a long time. Um, I used to be part of the ASIS. International Executive Protection Council back when it was a council, before it was a community. community. And around 2017, 2018 timeframe, 2016 rather, 2018, um, I had, we had written a proposal to submit to ASIS that there needs to be an executive protection standard. And for whatever reason, they opted not to do that. Um, whether there was no return on investment, whatever the reason is, they they opted not to accept the council's application to write a standard. Okay, so fast forward um, and one of our, you know, some of our board members actually, before they were board members said, well, James, why don't you just do it? And I started doing the research and I said, okay, let me reach out to ANSI or the American National Standards Institute. I said, how do you, you know, what's the process to become a standards developer? Um, what do I need to do? And I started following that path. And then as I was doing that, um, I started developing the board, the board members that we have. And if you've seen the board members, which are all online, again, we're full transparency, everything is posted. Um, Very diverse background. Um, We've got subject matter experts. We've got a doctor on our board. We've got drone pilot on our board. We've got somebody that does strictly TSCM. We also have State Department Diplomatic Security Specialists that have been doing that for their career. We've got Secret Service. We've got a whole variety of backgrounds to fill all these different niches on everything that has to, well, not everything, but all the major topics in executive protection. So it's not like, you know, James Cameron's on the board and I went to school that taught TSCM for one day. And now I'm going to write that section for TSCM for others to review. No, we've actually got somebody that's been in TSCM for 30 years doing that same thing with drone. So I really pulled from a, a very dynamic group of individuals. And I also, I did shy away again, full transparency, shied away from people that had training schools um, there's a lot of quality people out there. However, we didn't want the image of we're developing a standard based off their protocols. and and that would be a that would be an image, right? Um, obviously, we we take a lot of flack. a lot of people uh, like what we're doing, but there's a lot of uh, naysayers out there about what we're doing. And the last thing we want is, well, you you know you've got so- and so that runs this school, so everything you're putting in the standard must be based off of his training doctor. And we didn't want that image at all. Uh, so we we didn't do that. Uh, when we when we have our board members, all of our board members work in some form or capacity with EP, whether it's doing the job, having a business that hires people for EP, or has uh, specific skill sets that support EP, like our doctors, our drone pilot, TSEM. Uh, so it's a wide, diverse group. And we also shied away a little bit from, you know, the, uh, those that are you know social media famous we didn't want that image either we wanted real professionals not saying that they're not professional by any means but we really wanted a whole group of people that had the depth and background to be able to support what we're doing
1: i like it. it's almost the gray person within the gray person realm right. um right no no, that's, that's uh that's 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 really interesting i'm i'm curious obviously over here we have the sia um were there any international standards or regimes that you sort of took inspiration from or thought, you know, that, that, that that's quite good?
0: Well, so, I mean, to be honest, I, I, I had I, I again from the outside, I think the SIA um, looks good on paper. But talking to people that have actually had to utilize it with practice, uh, you know, say that there's problems with it and there's going to be problems with anything. Um, I know there's a lot of people that say we should have something in the U.S. similar to the SIX. We run into that problem all the time about licensing and state to state and everything else. We're not trying to dive into that legal realm. Uh, We're definitely separate from regulations, state, all that. We're just working on a on a application standard of how to do the business, uh, you know, of of providing security. Um, I will say that we're also looking at potentially once we get the ANSI looking at ISO 9001 for total quality management. And I think that the EP side would fit into that category. I know there's another new ISO that just came out. Maybe you know a little bit better. I think it's like 7,000 something where it's um, risk management, but it's, it's travel risk management ISO. So there is something that, that, you know, so there is openings in ISO as well to marry up to the ANSI what we're doing. But I think you, for us as Americans, you have to have the ANSI first, And that'll make the transition to ISO a little bit better. ISO, I lived in Dubai for several years working for a client. So I understand we in America, we don't use the term KPIs very often or key performance indicators. And that's a big ISO um, checkmark, right? How else are you going to validate what you're doing if you don't have key performance indicators? And we're with the standard, you know, we may bring some of that blend into this as well. So you do have key performance indicators when you're doing uh, movements, advances, medical treatment, you know, things like that. So
1: And so I I guess maybe there's a chicken and egg question to all of this, Um, is there demand for a standard? And if there is demand, who's demanding it?
0: Great question, Uh, surprisingly, very much uh, surprising to me, without us reaching out, we have had uh, Fortune 500 and 100 company CSOs contact us, um, thirsty for this they are they, they are and these are people that you don't see on social media they're teams you don't see on social media i mean if you let's be honest we know everybody in the social media realm knows one another on the ep world but there's a whole nother gray man area that you don't know you know who's the protection detail members for coca-cola they're not on instagram they're not on facebook they're not on social media right so that group over there not I'm not saying Coca-cola necessarily just an example, but we have had a lot of CSOs that are contacting us saying, this is fantastic because we really do not have anything to judge our teams on. We, we don't know if our teams are meeting or exceeding standards. Now we know what we know culturally what we put in place uh, business culture wise, what we put in place as far as a standard, but who's to say that we're right? And they've made the they've made the comments that said we cannot use anything but an ANSI or ISO to really validate what we're doing. We can't use somebody's personal book because that's their personal idea. That's their personal technique, right? If it's not a standard, then ultimately it's a technique. So we've all written books, right? I've written a book on active shooter. Uh, You know, it's not a standard. It's my technique on how I approach active shooter. Well, it's the same thing with EP people can write books, but unless it's gone through these stringent uh, processes of becoming recognized by a third party as a standard, then it's a technique, and companies and organizations can't use technique to, you know, judge how their teams are doing. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no, I, it totally does, especially with some of the larger corporations where everything must go through a standard check. Um, Correct. You know, because now
0: you've got legal, you've got legal involved, you got HR involved. I mean, I've worked in the, in the private sector for some years now. Um, you know, before I had my company. And the first thing they're going to say is, well, if you mark somebody down or if you write somebody up for not performing, well, based on what? What's the paper trail? What are you referencing? And you can reference your company SOPs or your standard operating procedures, but those SOPs should also be backed up by some sort of uh, actual documentation that is a standard ISO. For For those in the audience, ISO is International Standard Organization sorry <laughs> no, no no
1: you'd hope that they know but they they might not you never know um because we got the big yep. the british standards uh we got the ec you know european uh directives transposed international law in all, all sorts of standards out there right um, and and, and, you, and you mentioned some of these companies that we don't know like we don't know who who's there it's really interesting that uh, you mentioned these companies where you, 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 you don't see their employees all, all over social media and you don't know who they are. My wider security work, uh, I'm delighted and surprised when I uncover a whole new genre of security professionals that don't talk to anyone else. Uh, they, right. they don't go to the ASIS uh, events. They don't go to ATAP. They don't go uh, to a- a- anything. Um, and, you know, luxury Luxury, they only hang out with other luxury people uh, often um, uh, g- gambling, gaming, they love hanging out with yep. each other, family offices as well so 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 that's an interesting angle there because that would help uh, cut across genres. but I'm interested, do you think a snag will ultimately be the separation of standard and licensing? I'm thinking, of course, the s i a model being divided in what you're pro-
0: well, we're actually, it's funny you bring that up. So I'm licensed in the state of Nevada uh, under the uh, Private license, uh, private Investigator Licensing Board. Uh, that's where my security company is licensed out of. And talking to the director over there, he is part of a new group that is standing up that is a national group uh, within the US. And they, And this group has, I think, 30 some odd states that are signing on. Um, states, uh, attorney generals and things like that, that are signing into this, where they're actually talking about how, how can we, how can we allow people to operate in the security field on a temporary basis? So if you have a client that lands in New York is a horrible example, because they're very strict. But just as an example, if you land in New York, and you and you've met the licensing requirements in New York under this new umbrella, then you can travel to say Nevada and operate if it's for a limited amount of time, you know, up to seven days, seven to 10 days, anything further than that, then you have to have a license in Nevada. But so if as your client travels, you can go around, they reached out to us because they may utilize this standard as something that as a criteria for that license. Th- does that make sense? Mm, so,
1: so Equivocacy. We, we have that in the that, European it, Union.
0: Right, so you, you've got to have some reciprocity, right? So if if you apply, if you're a good operator, uh, business owner, just I'll take myself example. And I put myself through the, tr- for the training, the required training, pay the required dues, I would then hold a specific license that is good in X states, right? Well, how, how does that license come about? Where are they drawing that information on? It? What qualifications do I need to have to attain that license? There's no standard right now to do that. That's where, you know, they're talking to us now of saying, well, once we get that standard, now we've got something that we can say, you know, and this is all hype. um, I I don't, the process isn't there, but it may say you need 40 hours worth of training by a certified instructor that meets this standard and will issue that license. And now you are good to travel in in various states, Uh, which was, that was, that wasn't our angle. We didn't. They approached us, but it was because there's nothing out there that says this is the American National Standards Institute standards for providing executive protection. There's there's never been anything. So they've never had a reference point. Hope I didn't go on too long on that no, answer.
1: No, no, I like it. Um, I know. And I can see I can see how that how that would work. And you wouldn't necessarily have to deprive each state from their lovely revenue that they 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 love accumulating. Right. Um, just that reciprocity is is, is what we need. What would you say to those out there who said, well, anything you propose, as you said, it's, it's a base level, you can exceed it. Anything you propose is undoubtedly well below my own personal standard. Um, and, and therefore, what's the point? Uh, why have a standard at all if my own personal standard is so much better? Is, is there really a, uh, a, a class of operator that's operating beneath the standard you're proposing?
0: Oh God, yes, (laughs) absolutely. No, I I would, I would unequivocally say yes. Um, The the things that, and this is just again what we see on social media. Uh, You know how many how many times have we all seen uh, last minute detail tomorrow forty five dollars an hour EP you know black suit that's beneath the standard right because you've done no background check on that individual you've done no training verification on an individual you are simply filling a body. With a position, right? Um, you know, part of our standard is, uh, you know, even for members that are, and I'll be honest. So we've got for this standard has to be, has to be inclusive. So we've had it out there for a long time where we have uh, a technical, we're putting together a technical committee and a working group. And this is where the feedback says, if I say something, this is my standard, this is how I do things. And I put it out to the group and the group goes, yeah, that's not right. That's, that's not right. And we changed the verbiage. Well, now that's getting the feedback now. Okay. Uh, none of those people can, can have derogatory marks in their backgrounds. I'm not talking speeding tickets or US but like, if you were a felon, you're not qualified to, to have a say, unfortunately. Right. And in this industry, there are, there are people with felonies that are operating. And again, that's beneath the standard. Um, so you know, just doing that little due diligence is important. And that's just a basic. We're in the security field. That's, that, that should be a basic thing, let alone talking about um, uh, medical oversight. How many teams have uh, EMTs or paramedics working on their team that don't have medical oversight? Well, that's illegal. You can't do that. You have to have a medical director. Right, And that's where we have our doctor, and he's a, he's a medical director for Massachusetts State Police. So he brings that knowledge of the legality of oversight from state to state, um, because what you carry in a med bag in Nevada, you may not be able to carry in a med bag in California. And as soon as you do, that's a felony, right? Um, so that's where we start coming in and we talk about the standard. Now we're not going to get in, in the standard. We're not going to talk about the state regulations for each, each state, but what we are going to do is bring it to the attention saying, Hey, look, this is something you need to know about. And you need, if you don't have an answer to, you need to find out, do you have an EMT on your team? Yes, I do. Who's his medical director? Well, we don't have one. Okay. That's a problem. Right. Um, and then we got to go into, and that starts with the team education. And then also it bleeds over into client education. Well, why am I paying for a medical director or whatever the cost? Of, well, because legally you have to, because this, that, and the other. We can't inform our, we can't educate our clients if we're not educating ourselves. And those are just some simple examples where, yeah, we are operating below standard.
1: That, that paints uh, quite a stark picture. Um, and of course we'd hope most of our colleagues uh, don't, uh, don't operate that way. Um, and actually this reminds me a little bit of a, session we did with Richard H. Uh, he's a big proponent of standards over, over here. Oh, yeah, I've spoke to him. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, w- one of the one of the questions then this sort of leads to is, are we asking turkeys to vote for Christmas? Um, in that in most areas of business, we find people say, oh, I want deregulation. I want less involvement. Um, are we are we are we actually asking for more regulation? Um, or are we asking for it to just be there so that we have no choice but to meet it? Um, again, it's another chicken and egg scenario. Shouldn't we be getting the customer to ask for it? Because obviously one of the criticisms has been that customers literally do a Google. Um, I'm going to Montana. Who's there? Yeah, you'll do. Job done. Uh, compliance uh, checkbox ticking and and, and maybe this, this standard would stop them being able to do that.
0: Well, I think this standard will help separate the uh, professionals from the amateurs, right? Uh, because you want to be a professional, you want to operate as a professional. And I, and I believe, you know, the majority of the industry wants to operate like a professional. They, they want to, there just isn't anything there for them to have a baseline and, and we've actually developed the standard and it's going to be in one package, you know, one, one document, but we've actually broken it down to where you can now visually see a career progression, which isn't out there right now. Right. So we've actually got three separate categories and each category builds on the previous category, which is never done. So right now, if you're an EP guy or gal, um, I go to school a, right. And I go to school a, I get the certificate currently the career progression is now I'm going to go to school B but school B is teaching the same thing as school A does it's just a different group of instructors a different t-shirt that you get different hat whatever but it's you're still learning advances motorcade you know maybe some shooting you know you're still learning learning some fundamentals whereas when we break it down it's like okay at, at, at the foundation point you need to know about advances. You need to about, know about solo practitioners, how to move in formations if you have multiple people. Um, you need to know uh, these estate security, right? That's some foundational stuff. Now we move into uh, career progression. And now that's where you start getting into maybe some TSCM, right? Because that's an advancement. That's, that's not based knowledge. TSCM, um, some advanced medical stuff. Right. And so there's a whole host of other questions. And then once you do that, you do career management. And now you're talking uh, family office, right? Because family office is much different than estate security. Family office is managing assets and in a lot of the estate security and staff and, you know, um, and uh, global risk management, GSOC. Or global security operations center. So we've actually parsed it out. So there's a uh, an actual career progression that you can see in the standard, and each one of those could be its own standalone standard. So for those that don't want to to, to do this, fine. You know, I mean, it, it, that's fine. Um, we just want something out there for the professionals, and those professionals can then educate their clients, and ultimately, clients going to pay for a premium service. And if you can articulate and explain why you're a premium service because we meet and exceed these standards. So if we've got a standard that says you got to do A, B, and C, well, we do that, but we do D, E, and F as well as an added value. Okay. Oh, all right. Now, now we're talking and that's going to help lift the, the entire uh, industry and getting back to what you say, because I've heard this argument too, is why don't we have the client ask for this? Well, the clients don't know what they don't know, but again, I'll circle back to, these fortune 100 and 500 companies that are contacting us that have seen what we're doing and saying how, how hungry they are for this uh, because it's not out there and they do need something. So I think there's a whole subgroup of, like you said before, people you never see on social media, you don't know they're out, you know, they're there, but you don't know they're there, but they're lurking in the wings and they're seeing what's going on and they're staying out of it for the most part. Cause they, they're, you know, uh, how many people claim that they do Warren Buffett security? You're going to tell me that guy doesn't have security? Of course he does, but you never see those guys, right? Um, and they're out there. And when this standard starts coming on, um, you know it's going to be something that they're going to be able to utilize, put in their toolbox. They may not follow everything, which is fine. You know, you pick you you, you pick what you need, but at least you've got a baseline even reference.
1: And and why not? Um, why not additionally or instead? partner with some sort of higher education body to create a level five international type of qualification why why go down the standard route and, and 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 not the qualification route is is it is it that simple or is it is it a different topic
0: well that's that that again that's that's kind of putting the cart before the horse right or the the chicken before the egg um, and this is something, again, it's it's we've been transparent about everything. We are going to develop the certified executive protection professional um, designation, which will be um, third party proctored. So it's not us. You know, we write the test and, and, and we'll go through. Uh, we're actually talking with uh, the Society of Human Resources right now, SHRM, uh, which is kind of the human resource side of ASIS. And they have their own board certification, just like ASIS has their board certification. And we're working with them on our development and things like that. So we can, if you wanted to, um, earn your certified executive protection professional designation. And again, it's not going to be a certificate of completion. It's not a certificate of training. It's you You take the standard, you study off the standard, and then you go and take this test. But there's pre-qualifiers pre-qualifi- first, of course. But then... That certification is only good for three years. And during that three year time, you have to submit that um, you have continuing education or you know other things within that three years on a point system where you've gone to a security conference. Okay, that's worth three points. You wrote a book, okay, that's worth five points. You know what I mean? And then you you give that to us, and at the end of the three years, it's renewed. But it's it's not in perpetuity. And I think that's the problem is people, people go to a training school and they get these fancy three letter name letters after their name. And they've been a truck driver for the last five years because there's no EP work, but yet they're. I'm an EP guy. Well, no, no, you're not, right? So um, that's one of the things that we're trying to – that is a follow-on. So you can't have the, the board certification without having the standard as reference material. So it, it, that, that one we are working on. Um, we've already got the trademark in for it. We've, you know, we've done all of the, the due diligence ahead of time of what we can do without actually having the standard in the test. Does that answer?
1: Yeah, that makes, I mean, that I mean, makes sense. Yeah.
0: I'm excited about that because again, that is a that's great for the guys in the field. You see an EP job posting, you know, for I'm in I live in Las Vegas, but MGM say they hire for their protection team, and on your resume, you've got that you're a, a board certified executive protection professional. Well, okay, what what does that mean? Well, I look look up the website. Says okay, you got at least five years executive verifiable executive protection uh, training you've got driving training, you've got um, uh, weapons training, and you've passed a 250 question test with the 80% uh, pass rate, you know, uh, or 80% requirement. So, I mean, hmm. whatever the list is, but it's, it's, it's verifiable other than, yeah, you went to school A. Well, I, I don't know who's at school A. I don't, I don't know that guy.
1: So that brings right? up a, a, a sort of a prickly one. And, and I had two more prickly types of yeah. types of issues. Um, uh Currently, it would appear uh, from the outside looking in, you know, uh, that mm-hmm. uh, we are um, in an alumni-based uh, system um, uh, where a a particular school and their alumni is more right. important uh, in you know perhaps than what they have learnt and and so and so if I set up a school tomorrow and I just created an EP course, even if I met your standard. It would probably not get as much traction, um, ha, ha, and if if there was the qualification, then perhaps it would open up anyone to set up a school to get that qualification. So so how how how, how will we manage the prickly sort of alumni club issue? So we
0: would for for that, and a great question. Um, it would be kind of up to your marketing and your sales, and it would be also uh, where. And again, we're still in the infant, the crawl phase of this, uh, but it would be one of those things that if you open a school, you you would let us know saying, "Look, I, I want to be validated that I meet these standards. Anybody can have the standard, right? It's going to be in print version. They'll have they'll they'll have it. Uh, but to have the 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 board come out and be able to validate that, yes, you are meeting standards and. Here's the process. We 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 look at your curriculum. We look at your instructors. We go through the process of validating that you are teaching to the standard. And then periodically we do uh, validation checks where we don't let you know because I think that's the worst. Is you know yeah of course I'm gonna hey I'm gonna be there in two weeks. Make sure you guys are good. No that's that's garbage right? It's a we show up and the class is what it is. And now for you you can market and you have that stamp of approval saying look hey we meet standards and our curriculum meets standards. The people that have been in business for 40 years that don't want to do that that simply say you need to come to our school because we've been doing it for 40 years. Let them stand on that, but we all know things have changed in 40 years, right? Your, your longevity doesn't equal quality. Uh, but if 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 you open a school today and you said, look, we meet the board of executive protection professional standards, we we train to the ANSI standard, um, and we've been we've been validated. If I was recommending a school and I wouldn't know you from Adam, I would point you in that school's direction versus some school that's been around for 10, 15, you know, five years that doesn't say that they meet any kind of standard or they don't follow any standard. Does that, does that make sense?
1: It does. So I mean, it's, it's, And even, even within the American higher education system, uh, Yale might uh, offer a degree and uh, College X in the middle of nowhere might offer a degree. They're both degrees, but they still have a name.
0: Right. Well, I mean, and, and and that's a that's a, a valid point. But again, um, you know, it really depends on how that school decides to market that, and if they want to meet. I mean, we again, we've gotten pushback, and we've also gotten applause. Right, you, you get pushback from those that, if, if training school A, they may not want to change anything because from their eyes, they're doing everything perfect, or they're exceeding whatever they think we're going to come up with, even though we haven't come up with it yet. You know, just arrogance or, you know, bravado is saying we're, we're already beating that. Well, we haven't written it yet. <laughs> you know, we have, uh, just to put it in context, we have 174 people, uh, professionals that signed up to be part of our technical committees and working groups. So that's a good cross-section of, of the industry um, that's going to have input on what the standard is. And you do it one way, I do it another, but we're going to have to meet in the middle to get it written down. And that that middle, that's that sweet spot. So you know you're going to have those egotistical guys on the left. You're going to have those new guys in the industry on the right. But we're going to come to the center, and uh, and we're going to develop that. And again, that's I think that's what really sets us apart from what everybody else is doing. We have to meet we have to meet certain requirements, um, and that's part of it. Is it's not the board, it's not the board of executive protection professionals that's writing this standard. No, we're we're driving the train. We're managing the process, but it's the individuals that signed up uh, from the industry that are writing the standard.
1: And 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 those individuals, uh, this is the second prickly thing, right? But but I think we need yep. to we need to explore it because oh, I, yeah. I, I, I can I can foresee them saying, "Oi, why didn't I ask this?" Um, the uh, more experienced uh, mm-hmm. operators and the inexperienced operators for me, they are the They are the most challenging uh, groups for you and for the standard, because on the one hand, yes, an inexperienced operator has a challenge that they may be wholly unsuited to EP. Uh, Their demeanor, their stature, their level of fitness might be sort of okay, but they're never going to um, they're never going to be uh, fit enough, maybe, or I don't know. Whatever. we don't know or, 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 mm-hmm. or maybe they they just uh, had the wrong outlook uh, on, on, on on things and then on the more experienced side I wonder the, the challenge is what do we do do we grandfather people in uh, do we do we acknowledge do we, do we give them brownie points for having spent 40 years in the field um how, how, how will we uh, as, help the two points? as far as meeting the standard or writing the standard no no obtaining it. So, so if I'm, if I'm, if I'm 30 years experienced, um, wh- what do I do? Do I, do I get grandfathered in to the new standard? Um, do, do we just say you, you get a pass, you're fine. Um, cause, cause for me, the, the, the two challenging groups are the completely uninitiated that will achieve the standard, but will never get work because for whatever reason, they're just not sure cut out. And then the people who are 20, 30 years in, are we going to be nice and, benevolent to them and say right you you get an automatic standard um well once the, once the, st- the standard is
0: the standard is just a book right it, it's it's a it's a training it's it's not a training manual it's a, it's a manual of how to provide executive protection so we're not going to be sitting there telling anybody you meet or exceed standard that's going to be up to the management team of whoever they're working for right to to go through the book like anybody would and say okay um here's here's what it says to do for advances however we're going to do we're going to do a b and c which is required or says is part of the standard but we're going to do the e and f as well we might throw in z right and 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 so it's going to be up to the individual organizations and team managers to to say whether they meet standard i mean it's it's a it's a book we're not going to go around and you know, if you call me up and say, hey, I, I read your book and I have this experience, do I meet standard? Well, I don't know. I've never seen you operate. Right. I've never seen you work. So it's going to be it's going to be that guideline for those detail leaders, those uh, you know, directors of security, VPs of security, those CSOs to utilize that standard in conjunction with whatever they're already doing to say whether their teams meet standard or not. So yeah, it's not us coming out and validating, you know, we may come out and validate a school if that's what they request to say that they're, they're training on the standard, you know, uh, but we're not going to, we're, we're not there. We're not in the business to tell people, Hey, you know, you did, you're, you're working a standard or, or not.
1: Does that make sense? It does. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's fair. And, and I think, I think that that really helps enlighten, uh, or, or shine a light onto some of the the fears that some people might've had like, Oh no, I'm, I'm uh, nearly at the end of my career. What do I need to suddenly go and retrain? And I think, I think, I think that's a, that's a better perspective. You've just sort of outlined.
0: I, I, and I think some of those people that are 30, 40 years in their career, the standard might actually help them in a sense of with the newer technology that they're not used to using, right? There's still, there's, there's guys that have been doing protection for a long time that they don't use Certain phone apps, and we're not going to list out phone apps, right? But we're going to say here's some that are out there um, that you you might want to have a secure chat. You might here's you know uh, flight trackers, right? So I mean, and, and flight trackers that was something that you know ten years ago we didn't have those apps where you could just type in the tail number and it come in. You have to you'd have to go to the FBO and you'd have to go up to the desk and be like, hey, how far out are they? You know, so I think some of the things that we'll we'll put in here would actually help those people that have been in for a long time because there's going to be new tools or no tricks of the trade or TTPs, right? Tactics, uh, techniques, um, uh, procedures, uh, a t- tactic t- yeah, there you go. Tactics, techniques, and procedures that have changed over the years that they go, oh, like uh, I think before we started recording, well, I had mentioned when you start talking about drones or autonomous vehicles, you're, you're thinking of, I'm thinking of things that are aerial, things that are flying. Well, there's a whole world of submersibles out there that we could use to check the bo- the holes of boats. Okay, didn't think about that, right? And so, even for someone like me that's been doing this for a long time, when that got brought up, I was like, "Oh, that's that's a great thing." So this standard, they may they make flip pages and go, "Yep, I know that. Yep, I know that." Oh, wait a minute, that's a that's new.
1: Yeah, or, or they might rail great. against it. They, I, I, I say that jokingly. We had Mark Fulmer on uh, talking about robots being your best bud. And uh, we, we did get lots of, uh, shall we say fan mail? I'm <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. Say, say, uh, there's no way we're going to be running around with a robot buddy.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I, I think the book is, it's, it's it's uh, you know, it's a hard, it's, it's some hard digital, you know, book or, or, or on the digital. Uh, but I think there's going to be information that will, will help everybody, even, even for our technical committee and our working group. So let me break the, the technical committee is the voting body. They're the consensus group that at the end of the process, they're, they're making edits all the way through from start to finish. They're, they're involved in the whole process. But at the very end, the consensus group is the working group. And that group is going to be made up of seasoned professionals. So you're not going to have the newer people in, in the technical committee. And that technical committee, every person has to vote. Do you adopt this as an executive protection standard and each person on that technical committee has to vote yes if they vote no we have to circle back and figure out okay why what section did you disagree with let's work this out you know it's kind of you know like the senate and congress right of the u.s going back and forth until everybody's a yes once everyone's a yes okay the working group can have seasoned professionals and those new people, the, the newer the newer folks involved because those newer folks and i tell people this all the time even if you're new you may have something to contribute that those 40-year service guys don't know, don't have any visibility about, right? Uh, I remember you know, when, when I worked overseas, um, I was an advanced guy for many years, and I always carried a pack of cigarettes around with me because everybody's, all the all the guards smoked. So I'd come up and I'd friend them up and be like, hey, you want a cigarette? Give them a light and all that. And that's how I started the conversations. Well, that's something you don't do now. Right, uh, necessarily. So it's it's like those little pieces that a, a newer generation may know that would fix something I'm doing. Right? I mean, look at the political correctness now today. Right? You can't walk around, hey, babe, you know, you can't do that. And, then, and somebody new me be like, hey, that's a human resource issue now. You can't do that. You know, so they're going to have they're going to have uh, bits and pieces uh, to, to to contribute. Um, So, and like I said, we've got 170, I think we're up to 174 people um, that are involved. And I'm talking everyone from private business owners, all the way up to a fortune 100 uh, CSO, company CSO (laughs) that's involved. So we've got the whole gamut of information, which is going to be really fantastic.
1: I love it. It sounds, it sounds uh, exciting and and, and new. Uh, Lots of watch this space. And and I guess then maybe a final question, you know, what's, what's next for you? Um, are you? Are you coming up with another book? Are you, are you going on any world lecturing tours? Uh, <laughs> whoa. What, what's, what's your ask of the audience? Maybe
0: uh, I, I, you know, I think um, I would definitely say if anybody has any questions about the, the standard uh, we're, we're trying to get out as much as possible. We do, you know, there's videos online doing this great podcast with you and, and reaching out to your audience. Uh, this is the standard. isn't look, isn't meant to be looked at as a hindrance. And I know some people look at it like, "Oh man, this is just something else." It's actually going to help. It, it's it's there to help the industry and help the individuals, and ultimately help the client. The better service we can provide uh, to them is what's most important. Like I mentioned earlier, it's it's not safe having no standards. Um, and there's a ton of examples of that. Um, you know, so th- what's next for me is really this. This standard is going to take about two years worth of effort. Um, to get done and and process. So really that's kind of my focus. Simultaneously, we are working on that uh, certified executive protection professional designation uh, because there's a lot of interest. Uh, I was on a call with a a, a separate group and there was, there was a lot of people on the call and there was some former secret service in there. And the secret service, former secret service guys were asking about a a designation. They said, look, I don't need any more training. Like I've, you know, I've gotten you know, I, I have the training. I want something that's going to differentiate myself as a designation against others. Because when you meet somebody and you give them a business card, it doesn't say former Secret Service on there. But what it does say is it says your name and your designation. And that will that that means you know you don't have time to go through your CV with with a new client or something like that, right? You hand a business card and you tell them who you are. Um, so that's there is a lot of hunger out there for the standard and for the board certification. And that's really what I'll be uh, focusing on. Um, I do take people's feedback. I, I If somebody emails me, um, I do respond. Uh, there was another concern, uh, and I'll throw it out there. Wasn't a question you had, but uh, sounds like uh, this is for a profit. You know, We want to make money off of this. Um, I personally have put in my own Probably about twenty thousand dollars into this process, just between license, you know, the the licensing and and application fees and processing fees of everything is just so expensive, and um, the process for us was we want to establish our, a company so we could put the application in with ANSI, the American National Standards Institute, because to be a service prov- to be a, a standards provider, you have to have, be a company, can't be an individual. So we did that. And then we apply for 501c. So we we have our application in as a nonprofit um, because it is important. We don't want the we don't want the image that this is for money. Really, it's to my bones that I'm about customer service and 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 good quality service in in protection and providing new people with the keys and tools that they need. Providing excellent customer service to the client and you know helping people out with uh, career progression. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of what I really enjoy about everything. And this is, this is the, uh, the route to do it. And it costs me money to do it. Then so be it, Uh, it'll get done. And uh, that's the goal, but to settle any of those things. Yeah. We're not, we're not looking for profit. Uh, This is definitely not a profit maker for us. I mean, once we put the standard out, it's out there. I mean, you, how are you going to draw money from something that's already out? Right. Um, So Again, it's really just to elevate the, the industry. Everybody's been talking about it for years. We're just the ones that are decided to saddle up and do it.
1: Okay. I love it. Well, so, so James, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, really pleased we got this uh, time together. Thanks for all your help and support. And I look forward to welcoming you again on another Circuit Magazine podcast.
0: So I, I appreciate your time. Uh, honestly, more we can answer questions and settle doubt. That's what we're here to do because I think it's a, it's a great thing.
1: Thank you very much. Fantastic to hear it from James Cameron himself. I think the board is onto something. I guess the question is how viable is it in today's EP landscape? Obviously. Uh, I'm back with Sean, and we're two Brits talking about the situation in the states. But I think again that's a good thing because we can sort of look in from the outside and be a little bit more, uh, you know, neutral. Um, Sean, what 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 do you think about this initiative, and and particularly, I guess, the working groups and 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 the way in which uh, the standard is sort of coming
2: together? Well, I think your first question you were asking is this going to be viable, and I think. Absolutely. It will certainly be viable, but it's going to be a, you know, a long road ahead and you're going to have to get a lot of buy in from the industry, you know, the training schools who work within the industry. Um, the benefits of having the working groups is, you've got, you know, you have the knowledge of these schools who are already up and running. They're already training students. They have their alumni. So there's a lot of knowledge there, but you, you will find you know, you'll have some training schools that are for licensing, some who are against it. So I think what you've got to do is you've got to set the road out set the path out and give everyone you know some milestones you know by this date this is the end when we're going to have licensing in place and there's going to be a period of time beforehand where these working groups get together they put forward their opinions what they believe should be included in licensing what the standard should be and then you could have your neutral party you know at the top who receives all of this information and they set the standard, but they have they have no commercial interest, you know, in licensing. Maybe they're someone who's spent you know, 30, 40 years in the industry. They've been there. They've seen it. They've done it. And they can advise to the advisory board. They set the standard out. And then the AP schools, are, you know, they have to get on board. Um, but yeah, it's, it. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't envy being, you know, the training schools because they are going to be held to account. And, and that's a good thing.
1: It is a good thing, isn't it? And and, and I guess it will help people make better decisions. Um, over in uh, Europe, quote unquote, there was the PISA process to standardize higher education. Uh, would you believe it? Uh, uh, people didn't do bachelors and masters and PhDs in some countries. They had all manner of different uh, titles. And, and now they're more standardized. And 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 that reciprocity seems to be shining through. But with EP and the working groups, I foresee some challenges when maybe some people are not in the working groups who have been invited but are not in there um because that will that will forever be a a a a hole um and 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 as as you say you need the schools to get on board with this but in a way we need to ensure that the schools benefit but then they can't benefit too much because it can't be commercial. You know, it's a really big, tricky thing, especially in the States where, um, at least from the outside looking in, it appears that training schools have very strong alumni. And uh, that uh, alumni community could be key in in fostering this. Plus, uh, do we need an ISO and not uh, an American standard? I don't know. But these are the things that we've been able to hash out with James and I'm I'm really pleased we've we've had him on and as I said at the beginning there have been lots of comments on social media with opinions about this so it's really good to hear right what are the board really trying to do and how can we get involved which I which I think is a positive thing coming up though we have a virtual circuit magazine event on a topic that we will reveal shortly so we're looking for contributors and it's going to, as we had last week with David Rubens, be on learning and development as a topic. You may remember, uh, Sean, we did the first Circuit Magazine virtual event uh, back in 2020 on learning and development. So again, there's a bit of a tie into today's event. You know, people have a limited budget and they they you know, they need to uh, you know spend it wisely. Uh, but but also there's a, there's an element of the time involved so hopefully through that event we're going to help you short circuit the time involved for selection and you know not going on courses that perhaps look sparkly but, but don't take you anywhere uh which which is uh which is always a always a challenge we're looking for articles aren't we sean uh, always looking for articles what would you say to someone who has been thinking about writing an article but they've said i don't know if I'm a writer. I don't I don't know if anyone wants to hear my voice. Um, what words of encouragement could you could you give them?
2: I'm sure everybody would like to hear your voice. Whether you're a newcomer to the industry, you're an industry veteran, you know, you're someone who's got a unique niche within the industry. You may be, you know, paramedic, you may be you're still maybe advanced driving and teaching and the teaching of that. No matter where your entry point or where you are currently in your career, you'll be able to add some knowledge. That people reading the magazine can benefit from. Um, you know, our readership is wide. It's read by industry veterans, newcomers, and some of the, the stories that's written and the knowledge that's passed on through the pages can greatly help someone who's looking to get into the industry. So don't worry if you're not a writer. I'm not a writer either, and I write the foreword every month. <laughs> um, all of your words will be valued, I'm sure, by our readership.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we, we really appreciate it. And you've got to imagine, these are your peers, these are your colleagues, right? They want to read from people actually doing things, not, you know, of course, there's, there's room for academia and theoretical stuff, but they want, they want to hear from
2: someone just like you. I, th- I think a lot of time as well, putting things down in words, you know, helps you think more about the subject and you can gain from, from writing, you know, you're getting, you're getting your name out to, in the industry. It's, it's a good place to start. So please send your articles in. It is, isn't it? I like it. Um, on my side,
1: I'm welcoming some of our Colorado community to a Denver specific virtual event next week. There's some, uh, you know, friendly faces in the industry. Uh, and, uh, and I, know I know, a long time listener, Jay Martin, for example, is kindly uh, speaking. So I thought I'd do a little bit of a Colorado shout out as well, um, because I know Jay also listens to this podcast. Um, but apart from that, keep an eye out for our virtual event and keep the debate about training and development going with podcasts such as this. We are trying to shine a light on an area that people are already talking about. Right? It's not just we don't just shine lights on areas no one's talking about. <laughs> We're trying to keep with the times. And and, and, and and this is an important topic. So from Sean and myself, it's been a great pleasure to speak today with James Cameron And we're delighted to see the progress of the Board of Executive Protection Professionals. And we look forward to welcoming you to another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine Podcast.
0: You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.